Well, good morning. It's great to uh, be able to see you, to be able to welcome you in person here at Granville Chapel uh, again this morning, uh, to be able to worship together. As Dan uh, said, what an opportunity we have to be able to worship, to recenter, to refocus, to be reminded of God's goodness, uh, of his faithfulness, his order, actually, in our lives, to be reordered according to his purpose. Um, we start a new series uh, this week. Empowered for Mission, as Edith said, we're going to hear from different mission partners uh, that, we're, that we've been working with, be inspired by their stories. And um, this morning I want to start with a question about what it means for us to live, you know, as we think about our week and the world in which we live in, and the discord and the confusion and the challenges that are all around us. You don't have to go very far away, I mean, it's in our own homes, it's in our neighborhoods, in our city, but um, what does it mean to live uh, a harmonious life. What does that look like? And you might think for yourself, yeah, what, what, what would that mean then for me? I want you to think about that just for a moment as we get started. What does it mean for us to live a harmonious life? What would be the ingredients for that for you? Just take 30 seconds and think, what are the first things that come to mind for a harmonious life? What are the ingredients and you might, you might actually find it easy to think, what are the things that are definitely not there that I want to remove uh, from my life? I'd like to win there we go. <laughs> Freedom from any kind of financial strain and stress, right? Yeah. What do we think? What is it for us to live a harmonious life? Maybe you are thinking about uh, just uh, peace, the absence of strife. I just easy is nice. I don't want to be at odds with people, my relationships to be good. We know, we know, right, that ultimately what we long for, for that harmony that we seek is rooted and founded in our relationship with God. Right, that harmony, that reordering of our life is, is made possible through what Jesus has done for us that restores us in our relationship with God, our Father, through the Son, that we can then live uh, his life through the power of his Holy Spirit. We are the bride of Christ as his church. And in many ways, to, to, find, to, to, to allow us so that Jesus finds us and that we may then surrender our lives to him, that part is... Well, the surrender is not necessarily easy, but the, the saving work to be saved is easy. It's like getting married, right? Getting married is easy. As the bride, getting married is easy. We, the Christ, the, the bride of Christ, getting married is easy, right? It's living together. There's the challenge. It's the years that follow. I mean, think in terms of like the Exodus community that we read about. How God parted the waters for them to be saved. But then what followed was their grumbling and their fighting and learning to live together well as the Lord commands, as the Lord instructs, as his people. It took a very long time for them to learn, and I think we're still learning, aren't we? It was the grumbling. I mean, we long for what a harmonious life is. It, we, if you look up the harmonious, the idea, we know it musically, right? You, can, you hear it as a, you know, a good harmony. That's beautiful. In the same way, living together, you see it, you recognize it when you're experiencing it. 
when different parts combine together in a pleasing way that work well as a team, the different components. But we think again of that Exodus community. We think of our own experiences and the tendencies that happen when, when, we kind of, when life isn't quite as at peace and, and easy and peaceful as we'd like it to be. And I think instead of seeking a a harmonious life with all these different pieces coming together and working well, actually what tends to happen is we create a harmonious life. Two tendencies. One, of a spirituality of me, myself, and I. Right? Because it's, I mean, it's a natural tendency, and I think it's very much the hallmark of our age, a spirituality of self-centering, of self-sufficiency, and self-development, where we seek ease and convenience or, or preference. Because to be with others, to live in community, experience that community, to to work through, to to have different opinions and yet still be together, it's tough. And so what can happen is is we withdraw. It's like the story about the husband who complained to his wife on Sunday morning and and said to her, I don't don't want to go to church this morning. He sort of stamped his foot. I I don't want to go to church this morning. No one talks to me when I get there. I don't even think people like me. When I get there, I just feel people look at me and they judge me and they're mean to me. To which the wife replied, you're the pastor. You get yourself dressed and get to church and stop messing around. (laughs) Eugene Peterson, uh, I've been reading his uh, official biography, Burning in These Bones. and he talks in, well, actually, this is from his other book, uh, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. And, and he talks about an experience or a time in his life where he, he really struggled as a, as a part, you know, in, in, his, in his role and, a, and as a Christian. He said, he, I found increasingly it was just easier to be with people who are outside of the church. And, and, you know, just to sort of separate myself in this way, and there was this life and there was that life. And he said, but I was convicted because there was nothing in Scripture and there was nothing in the teaching of Jesus that honored that position. And he goes on to conclude, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. What was Jesus' prayer for his followers? Father, may they be one as we are one. Second tendency of a harmony us life is, is what I turn about what we in terms of like gated communities. If you can imagine such a thing. If you, some of you maybe have, have lived in parts of the world where gated communities are very much a thing. I lived in Brazil for a number of years, as many of you know, and, and there are communities and they are gated, right? Where you live, and, and if you wanted to live in a, if you, you know, sort of large condos, and we lived in one that was high walls with a guy on the wall, and there was electric wires across the top of the fence. And, and then if you lived in a house, really the only the safer way of living in a house would be if you're in a gated community with guards who kept people out, and the people that were in were effectively people like us. The PLU phenomenon. 
where we seek to find comfort and, and remove any dis-ease by seeking only to live and be with people like us. But it's a reduced community, isn't it? It's, it's, we think it's easier to live with just people like us, people who are going to agree with me, people who are going to think like me, people who are going to look like me. And actually, if you go through social media, the way these things are set up, what you, what you read and what you'll click on will be reinforced because the algorithms will send more similar views for your feed so you can just reinforce your views and your opinions. You're like, yes, look at all these people that think just like me, people like us. This sectarian tendency is very much alive and well, that we deliberately and willfully leave the larger community to, to find a path of our own special interest, to gather with others who think like us and, and have the same kind of interests and, and passions as us but, and won't disagree with me. This will be according to my tastes and my preferences. But as we remembered last week, and as we remember God's blessing that's poured out, that God speaks to Abraham, he says in Genesis 12, but his purpose is to bless all people of the earth. And now, as Peter's reminded us, through Jesus, that is possible through the empowering of his spirit, that all can be saved, that all come together under his name. This sort of carving up and taking the bits that we like or that we prefer. We don't, we don't do it to the Bible. We might. We might try. Well, we just take the bits. I mean, if I said, okay, from this point forward, we're going to tear out some of these bits we don't like. And we started ripping away chunks of the Bible. We're just going to have these five books from this point forward we're going to teach from here at Granville. It's like, no, we can't do that. In the same way, we couldn't expect somebody, if we went to an art dealer, it would be up in arms if he took a Rembrandt, sliced it into 50 pieces, and then framed each one and sold it separately. It's the whole that is the beauty and the value and the power. That's us as the church, each part, each part, together, in and under the name of Jesus. And that's what I love about Granville Chapel. I think it's one of our very great strengths as a community is the diversity of our church as a multicultural, multi-generational church, which is gathered together with people actually of all sorts of traditions and understanding, but together we come together under the purpose and the vision and the mission of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That's a desire to see him, to grow in him, to encourage others to discover all that life possesses in him. But I think it's understandable, isn't it? that we can separate ourselves, that we can distance ourselves and push away from that which is not kind of like us, it's not comfortable, or it challenges me. I don't want to be challenged. I want a simple life. I like easy. Please don't challenge me in this way. But it's a reduced community. It's a reduced, diminished experience that is less than the more that God has for us as his church. Life is complicated. And if we've learned anything over the last few years, it's that, well, it's not just complicated, it's becoming increasingly complex. This is hard. It is hard. But it's possible. How do I know that? Well, let's look at Acts 2. And if you have your Bibles, you can open it up. And I'm going to read to us. Actually, why don't we all read it together? It's going to be on the screen from the message translation. So let's read it together in a loud 
united voice. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were being saved. A wonderful harmony. They lived together in wonderful harmony. So I'm not making this stuff up. What does it take for us? And in that case, well, were they all the same, those people that gathered and lived in one? There were 3,000 souls that, were, that came together in wonderful harmony. Sharing together, living together, learning together. A diverse group of language, of origin. How was that possible? Peter says, it's, well, this is because of Jesus. It's by his spirit that around him and through him and in him, we have become God's people. Learn, a learning, loving, and worshipping fellowship. Learning, loving, and worshipping. They were a learning community. They submitted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They would have listened to the teaching of, of the apostles that, like, tell us about it, the witness of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, and submitted to it. And, and, their, and their stories and their teaching validated by their works. The miracles, the signs and wonders that we read about in verse 43. They were a loving community, we read. They committed themselves, the teaching and, and the life together, the common meal and the prayers. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They were devoted to one another. They saw the need of one another. They, they sought not just their own good, but the good of all. If I am able to help you, then I will. How can I? How can I serve? How can we serve? How can we grow together? A life shared in such a way that none had any need. And they were a worshipping community. They worshipped the Lord's Supper. And it talks about this as a celebration, exuberant and joyful when they came together. There were two ways in which they gathered together. There was like the formal and the informal. They, went, they prayed in their prayer and their worship services, probably still at the temple where they gathered and worshipped together, but also they gathered in their homes and they worshipped and they broke bread and enjoyed a meal together. With joy and exuberance and generosity. How do we live this harmonious life? We do so learning together, submitting ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the word of God. 
We do so as a people who seek to love one another generously. Giving all that we have in in service to to the whole. And and worshipping, putting Jesus first, above and beyond and before all things. Where our perspective is reframed, our understanding is transformed. And so are we. Learning, loving and worshipping. I mean, how many, how many sermons have you already heard before on these first verses of Acts, of, of, or these few verses of Acts 2? But that's only part of it. You see, we can't read those first lines without also including verse um, 47. Because these verses, what this is like, like learning together, loving one another, worshipping together, there's this transformation. It's, there's the inner life of the church. But it tells us nothing there about the outward, their compassionate response, the outward work of that community of believers, that fellowship. But we read in verse 47 that the Lord, every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. You see, Eugene Peterson uh, says uh, in another place, people can think correctly, behave rightly, and worship politely, and still live badly. Live anemically, live individualistically, self-enclosed life. Live bored and insipid and trivial lives. Now we, I ask the question, what is it to live in harmony? What is a harmonious life? And I think at times we think, well, if we could just remove this, 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 and this. But I think the ingredient for that is a trivial, bored, and insipid life. And what Jesus invites us into is more. These first, this first fellowship of believers inspired and filled with the Holy Spirit were not so preoccupied with their learning and sharing together and worshipping that they forgot about witnessing to the love of Christ to those around them. You know, as we have prayed and we have waited for Pentecost, as we've we've remembered this word and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his church, we're reminded that the Holy Spirit is a missionary church. That's why this series is Empowered for Mission. What we seek in community, Alan Hirsch makes a point, talks in terms of communitas and not community. And communitas is that, that difference where it's, I don't know if you, like for me, one of my favorite TV series, Little Violent, is, um, but it's based on, a, on sort of true stories, is a Band of Brothers. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the story of this series, as you watch it, is this kind of wild sort of diverse bunch of guys who are thrown together and through the course of their experience through the war become this brotherhood who, who fight literally for one another, who give their lives for one another, for a cause that is greater than any one of them on their own. And it's something about, like, when we think about community, it's actually, it, it, it's not the absence of, of, of tension or stress, but it's, it's actually the presence, real community or communitas, Hirsch talks about, happens when we are, we're kind of faced by a, a, an external pressure that binds us together and unites us toward a greater purpose. 
Something worth living for. Something, actually, worth dying for. He said it's, it's about a commission or a common mission that calls us into a dangerous journey to unknown places. A mission that calls the church to shake off its collective securities and to plunge into the world of action where its members will experience disorientation and marginalization, but also where they encounter God and one another in a new way. Like, Lord, we want to know more of your spirit. We want to know more of your power. We want to know more of your presence. You know, it's not going to be by withdrawing into a, a holy huddle of, of, you know, amongst ourselves from a world right now that so desperately needs the church to go out. He goes on to say, and this is, Hirsch goes on to say, uh, for many, our Christian community has become little more than a quiet and reflective soul space or a spiritual buzz for people trying to recuperate from an overly busy, consumerist lifestyle. But is this really what the church is meant to be about? Is this our grand purpose, to be a sort of refuge for recovering work addicts and experienced junkies? A sort of spiritual hospital or entertainment center? The community that Jesus is building, the community that Jesus is birthing by his spirit, this church has a call that is far greater. And yeah, in this place, we experience wholeness and healing. To be reminded of that quote, there is no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in the following of Jesus, no wholeness apart from community. We cannot do this by ourselves. I am not myself by myself. But it is more than that. And to experience his power, to experience renewed purpose and the passion and the zeal and actually what truly is a harmonious life aligned to the will and the purposes of God is also a witnessing church and a community that embraces, embraces all uh, who are called in his name. This expanding motif is something that we read throughout the whole of Acts, isn't it? the missionary witness of the Holy Spirit. And we read in these verses, and the Lord added every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. This is, like, this is good. All right, first of all, every day the Lord added. It's his work. Sometimes we get tied up. I don't have the words to say. I don't know how to say it. I'm not very good with that. I'm going to feel awkward. It's his work. He will do it. He will add. More than that, he does it daily. It's not sporadic, oh, we're going to do this course now, and then a few months later we're going to do this course. It's daily. It's daily. I want to raise our expectation. I think God would want to raise our expectation about what he is doing right now, today, in the world around us, in our city, in our own homes. There is a stirring and a curiosity and a hunger. This is an opportunity, I think, that we have as the church, unlike any other that we have experienced. Never before have the very foundations been so surely shaken. And we have an answer. We have an opportunity and an invitation to extend. Daily. And those who are, those who are saved, that, 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 that Jesus' purpose 
To be restored in relationship with him and to be part of his church is to be, is to be restored in relationship to him. And to be restored in relationship to him is to be part of his church. Where is that happening? How is that happening? Daily. Because for the people in this, in this renewed fellowship that we read of in Acts, as their worship, so too was their witness. It was a natural outflow of hearts that were filled with God's spirit. It isn't easy, it isn't comfortable, it doesn't come without rubbing us up at times and, and realizing and flinching that, oh, you know, oh, there's still stuff to deal with there. But it is possible by the empowering of the Holy Spirit that we can together live a wonderful harmony in the name of Jesus. More than that, we don't have to wait. The Holy Spirit has come and he never left. He never left. The Spirit of God has come. He is here with us now. And I want you to think about, yeah, when have, I, when have I been aware of those moments that I've seen or I've heard or I can witness to God's Spirit working powerfully? Maybe it's in somebody who's, who's witnessed. I, like, next week I want you to come and I want you to listen to Brian's story. Some of you have stories of, of ways in which God has enabled you to share your faith with a neighbor, with a friend, or through your work that you are witnessing to the goodness and the greatness of God. We have stories to share. I think we've seen it as a community. When you think about like, what are those moments that we see, ah, oh, just this beautiful, wonderful harmony as a church together on a purpose and a mission that is something that is so much beyond us that, oh, Lord, we need you. I think about the, the, the initiatives that we've had where we've cared for families that have come in from, from overseas, those, that, that rallying moment of, a, of finding a home and providing care and resource. I mean, vivid pictures in my mind of all the people that were building furniture and moving things in as we, as we loved and cared for and welcomed a family in, that now are in, and have new life here in Canada. I, think I see it when there are examples of other initiatives where people, we've kind of been stirred up in our hearts by an initiative, maybe it was in Wally, when, when many of us got involved with an initiative there. And for as long as that was, was happening, that, and with the other churches that joined with it, because they saw it, like, this is good, we want to be a part of it. We recognize it, don't we, when we see it? And that's for all of us. We can all enter into this. That is the harmonious life, the, the fullness, the more life that Jesus invites us into. And Jesus is saying, like, this is not what this is, it's not that he's saying right now, this is what you must do in order to live this. What he's telling us is this is what has been done so that we can now live this. In the name of Jesus, that we are all brought together before God, that all people, people of all nations can come together under Jesus, in his name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not what we must do, it's what he has done. Our responsibility then is what? That we must humble ourselves to his sovereign authority and determine not then to quench his spirit, but allow his freedom. And in this way, we too would experience the harmonious life and manifest the marks of the present of, of, of this presence of the Holy Spirit that we see here in Acts. A community that submitted to the teaching of the apostles, that lived it, that embraced it, that, that 
felt it, that it coursed through their veins, a, a community that, that loved passionately, sacrificially, and a community that worshipped passionately, exuberantly, joyfully, and witnessed powerfully in the name uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So why don't I pray for us now, as David comes up, and we take a moment to respond, not necessarily to what my words, but the words that the Lord has stirred in you, as you've heard all the things that have been spoken this morning, and the things that we've sung, and the announcements that have been made, and even the things that challenged you on your way to church this morning. What is the Lord saying to you? And what is our response?